right, everyone, welcome to another edition of Hart's Home Half, hosted by yours truly, Austin Hart, now presented by my buddies over at Big Dog Media. You can go find them on Instagram and Twitter, at Big Dog Media on Instagram, at Big Dog Media Co. on Twitter. And let's just get right into this big episode today. We are going to have a big football episode. We're going to have to recap all of the games from last weekend, college and NFL, and we're going to have to also preview everything to look forward to this weekend. That's right, this is going to be a massive episode just for this week, and we will not be dropping a Thursday episode, so I will not have an episode dropping on Thursday. This is going to be the only episode releasing of the week, and then uh, I should be getting back on track, hopefully with a normal Monday to Thursday episode schedule uh, starting next week. So let's just jump right into it and let's start out with what we always start out with, college football. And we'll start out with the only team in Florida, unfortunately, that lost this weekend and that would be number 13 Miami. Uh, They were previously ranked number 13. They dropped down to number 25 uh, after their loss in College Station at number 24, Texas A&M, final score was 17-9. And uh, Jimbo Fisher, I mean, he just really got his squad back on track at home uh, in the Texas A&M Aggies and unfortunately just at the expense of the Canes. Um, the Canes really just weren't able to convert any TDs on offense. I mean... Tyler Van Dyke only threw for 217 yards on the night, and they just had to settle for numerous field goals because their red zone offense was so poor. And a lot of dropped passes I was noticing by the Miami receiving core as well. Obviously just a really bad look um, you know, for a, a guy as talented as Tyler Van Dyke is, slinging you the ball as the QB for Miami. you got to hope that your guys are out there trying to make plays for you. Um, but on the other side, I mean, the Texas A&M defense, they were stout. They held up well against Miami and, and stifled them on the ground, honestly, most of the night as well. Uh, they made it difficult, really, for Miami to execute anything. Only three field goals on the night for them. Canes um, really just need to be better against top-rated, talented teams like this. I mean, especially to stay in the rankings. Number 25, that is the last spot in the AP poll in the top 25. So, I mean, another loss could definitely send them out of the rankings. But I do think that they got dropped a little far for as close as this game was. Um, It's not like they put up, like, a terrible performance or anything. You know, they played hard against a pretty solid SEC team on the road and really just came up short of a win. They had a lot of offensive inefficiencies and some penalties here and there, and that's that's the way the game goes sometimes. But the Canes now sit at 2-1. They're going to head back home. And hopefully they're going to have another seemingly easy matchup against Middle Tennessee State University. Yes, MTSU. Uh, they are also 2-1, and one, but they only have wins over other poor teams such as Colorado State and Tennessee State. So, yeah, kind of looks like another tune-up type of game here for Miami. Hopefully kind of a game for them to get right after their first loss of the season. That should be kicking off Saturday at 3.30. Now let's get into all the teams that won this weekend. And we'll start out with the ugliest of the wins. And it happened in Gainesville where the number 18 Gators just barely edged out USF 31-28. to Let me tell you, this was not a great game for the Gators. 
this was a game that they like going into it you really need to rack up some points try to establish some dominance but they really showed that they have a long way to go a lot of things still to fix I mean, first off, the defense was horrid. I mean, a complete flip-flop from what they were against Kentucky. You know, Kentucky, they played very, very well. They were stout pretty much the entire game, and the reason we lost is because our offense was so poor. But Brian Battier, I think is how you pronounce his last name, USF's running back, he had 150 yards on the ground on 17 carries along with a touchdown to go with it. I mean, a monstrous night for him, but the run game in general, they just shredded UF's defense. The Bulls were getting it going on the ground all night long, and the Gators just could not keep up. It was pathetic. I mean, they came away with two picks of the USF's quarterback, which was pretty nice, including one that was pretty late in the game to help uh, get the offense down the field and, and get a touchdown. But you know that's something positive to see but i mean on the offensive side this was the second thing things were even worse i mean anthony richardson played poorly for the second straight week i mean he went 10 of 18 for 112 yards and two interceptions no touchdowns one of the interceptions was a pick six and the other one was on a fade in the end zone i mean this just can't happen man especially with how explosive he was Week one against Utah, he has not shown that same ability since then, and I am not sure what's going on. I mean, a bright spot for the offense, Trevor Etienne and uh, Montrell Johnson Jr., they added some pretty explosive plays on the ground. They helped move the Florida offense really for whatever they could muster on the night. But again, like Richardson, he was just not himself. He needs to be able to use his legs a lot more often. I don't know if they're purposely not trying to design any runs or read options around him because of injury or I don't I don't know what the deal is right now but I think the biggest thing for this offense right now is getting Anthony Richardson working on the ground I understand that defenses are going to go into it game planning for him rushing on the ground and you know making plays with his legs like he did against Utah but you have to at least show that a couple times so that they the defense whatever defense that are playing against anthony richardson know that he has that option to do that whether he scrambles out of a pass play he does a design run or he pulls it in a read option and takes off i mean there's multiple opportunities for him to be able to create plays with his legs and just get the defense to be able to bite on that because when you're able to play fake and create play action out of that it opens up the passing game. The defense is biting a lot more into your rushing attack. You can open up the passing game, and that's really where he has to improve. I mean, his accuracy is very, very bad uh, so far, especially in these past two games. He really, really needs to improve on that. The passing game, I mean, the, the receivers aren't too bad for Florida. They're not like the greatest ones they've ever had, but... They're competent enough to be able to make some plays if AR is just able to get them the ball. But that is the problem. He can't. Um, so there, there's a lot that I'm hoping is, is going to be fixed by this next game. But you know, going back to the USF game, I, got, I went off on a tangent there. USF, they, they missed a late game field goal to tie the game and potentially bring the game to overtime. Notice how I said it was 31-28 was the final score. Field goal could have made it 31-31 overtime. So Gators really lucked out there. 
and uh, you know, just again, kind of just got lucky off of uh, USF miscue, um, where they really could have had a, a real shot at taking the Gators down a hundred percent. The Gators they drop down a couple spots in the national AP poll. They go down to number twenty from number eighteen last week, and this weekend's matchup is definitely going to be one to watch. Another ranked matchup for the Gators, uh, college game day is actually going to Knoxville to cover UF's first road game of the season against number 11, Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee, they've been an elite team this year so far on offense. Hendon Hooker, he's been leading the Vols to incredibly high scores each game. I mean, that offense is putting up points. Uh, They've started out hot, 3-0. This is going to be a massive test for the Gators. They're undoubtedly double-digit underdogs. The defense really needs to lock in here. They need to play the way that they played against Kentucky, not what they did against USF at all. I need to have a lot of improvements to make. And the offense has a lot of work to do to get better in multiple facets as well. So, you know, hopefully there are a lot of different things working to get improved ahead of this big ranked matchup. Uh, That'll also be kicking off Saturday at 3.30. All right, I'll try to move a little quicker through these next two, but UCF, a great win for the Knights. Their first game on the road this season. They caught a massive dub against an in-state opponent, FAU. 40-14 was the final score. A much better game here overall for UCF's offense against a weaker opponent uh, coming off of their loss against Louisville. But uh, nonetheless, John Rice Plumley, he was in control most of the night. I mean, this dude... Went 25 of 36 in the air for 339 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. But he did most of his work on the ground. I mean, he rushed 20 times for an insane 121 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, talk about dual threat. Plumlee has been tearing up opposing defenses with his ability to get it done in the air and on the ground. I mean, just a dominating win, really, all around for UCF. Uh, The defense forced multiple fumbles. They didn't let FAU be productive whatsoever. A very nice 2-1 start for the Knights, and they're actually going to travel back home to host another ACC opponent in Georgia Tech. They haven't been too great this year at 1-2, but still a Power 5 opponent that UCF should be ready to show out against. You know they always try to bring it against these types of opponents. And, you know, still while they're in the American Conference and not yet in the Big 12, they've already opened up as massive favorites against Georgia Tech. And they're going to get kicked off Saturday at 4, so look for a great matchup there. And then the last matchup I want to talk about in college football, FSU, the Knowles. The best record in the state right now coming in at 3-0. A great win at Louisville, 35-31 to in a shootout. Jordan Travis, a starting QB, he unfortunately suffered an injury that would take him out for the remainder of the game in the second quarter. He started out so hot, looked so great. I think he had around 170 passing yards. But backup QB Tate Rodemaker, he came in for the Knowles and put on a show and led this squad to a W. The Knowles were down 21-14 to in the second quarter when he came in, and this game was a shootout from the start. The teams traded massive plays and touchdowns on their drives to start this game. Treshawn Ward, the running back for the Knowles, he put up 126 yards on the ground, and Tate ended up going 6-10 of for 109 and two TDs. 
He also threw a pick, but man, his command of the offense and being able to lead the Knolls in a comeback win, uh, it, you know, coupled with a strong running game play, I mean, really, really great to see for this Knowles team. Really hoping that uh, Jordan Travis is going to get cleared, cleared to play for the next week, uh, or I don't know if he's going to be out for an extended period of time. Still trying to see if I can get an update on that. Um, but uh, FSU, they're going to be riding back home to take on Boston College, uh, one of their ACC rivals. They're going to hope to stay undefeated, and, I mean, BC, they're not too great. They're only 1-2 and two on the season, uh, but this is still a team that FSU can't take too lightly. They still have to look to put up a very sharp offensive display, as they've continued to do in their past three games. Hopefully the defense shows up uh, a, little, a little more as well. Oh, man, let me – do I have a start time for that game? Oh, I don't. Let me get a start time for that real quick. Um, no, 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 sorry, 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 start time, FSU, 8 o'clock on Saturday, so late game on, on Saturday, FSU, Boston College, FSU at home. All right, now let's talk about the big boys, let's go and talk about the NFL, and all three teams in Florida get wins this week, very, very big week, um, and let's start out talking about the ugliest of wins again with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but they're finally able to win a regular season game against the Saints with Tom Brady. A 20-10 win, again, only one offensive TD for the Bucs came on a money pass from Brady to Brashad Perryman, but, I mean, the offense just looked like it struggled again. The line, the offensive line, it doesn't look like it's providing enough protection or time for Tom at times, and that's just... It's really, I think, attributed to all the injuries we've had along the line. It's been really, really tough to have to deal with that and all the injuries in the wide receiver room. I mean, Chris Godwin and Julio Jones didn't play. That left the receiving core pretty thin, and even more so when Mike Evans decides to give his mortal enemy, Marshawn Lattimore, a cheap shot hit in defending Tom Brady in what would eventually be a brawl. So he gets immediately tossed, and now he's suspended for the next game. I mean, just what an offensive mess. Just so so much drama going on on the offensive side. So much bad blood between in between these teams. But defensively, sheesh, the Bucks look like one of the best squads around so far. I mean, they got after Jameis Winston all afternoon. They forced him into three picks, one of which would be a game-sealing pick six to Mike Edwards. And the Bucks also put together six sacks as a team. Devin White was an absolute missile, flying all over the field, had 11 total tackles on the day. I mean, an absolutely great performance you love to see from this defense, but the other side of the ball really needs to get figured out, especially in the red zone. This team needs to start converting some touchdowns. But one of the few 2-0 teams left in the league, that is very, very good. Happy to be in that position. They're going to go on to host, Bucks are going to go on to host their first home game this season, and it's going to be against the Green Bay Packers. It's always a great duel with Aaron Rodgers, and now that they've gotten back on track, the Pack, it'll be interesting to see the battle of the great defenses and the legendary QBs. It'll be a really, really interesting game to see here. It's maybe one or both of the offenses start to get jolted in this game and get something cooking. A great game to look forward to here. 425 on Sunday. Bucks looking to stay undefeated and open up their home schedule with a dub. All right, but how about we go up to Jacksonville 
and talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, a thumping here for Jacksonville. In their first win of the season, they beat the Colts again at home, 24-0. Again, that stat that I said on my last pod, the Colts have not won in Jacksonville since 2014. I mean, that is a crazy, crazy stat. And yes, they shut out the Colts. The Colts did not get any points on the afternoon. Just complete domination by the Jags. I mean, they were all over Matt Ryan all game. They didn't allow the Colts offense to do anything. The Jags defense put together five sacks, three picks, and they held Jonathan Taylor to only 54 yards on the afternoon. I would say that's a pretty damn good performance. And on the flip side of the ball, Trevor Lawrence, I mean, he looked like he was in command of the offense all afternoon. He looked very, very comfortable. Uh, First home game of the season, he was 25 of 30 for 235 yards and two touchdowns, both to Christian Kirk, who's really quickly becoming his favorite target after that massive contract he signed in the offseason. James Robinson also in the backfield. He continued to look pretty good. He's he's proving that his Achilles uh, injury last season is definitely not a factor anymore. Uh, This Jags offense, they look like they're starting to get a little more comfortable and definitely forming way more chemistry than they did at this point last year. Uh, So they're riding really high off this win. One and one, they're going to head to LA and also face off with the one and one high powered Chargers. A very, very good opponent in the Chargers on both sides of the ball, really. But Justin Herbert's health is still in question at the moment. I know he has a rib injury right now. So uh, that could very well be very good news for the Jags if Justin Herbert is not able to go and they're able to uh, face face off, I think, with Chase Daniels, I think, is Justin Herbert's backup. So ooh, that, that could be a good matchup for the Jags uh, if Justin is not able to go. Now, the last game I want to get to, I mean, how about this one? The Miami Dolphins. Whoo, what a comeback win for this team. They go down three touchdowns in this game to Lamar Jackson. I mean, his crazy talent, the speedy Baltimore offense. They scored so, so quick after an opening kick return. They had a couple early picks of Tua, and they just put Miami in a ditch early. I mean, third quarter, and... Miami's down 35 to 14. 35 to 14. Baltimore's running away with it. People are probably turning off the game at this point. But the fourth quarter comes around, and oh my God. Somebody flipped a switch. Something happened. Miami got going. I mean, Tua just started going in. Baltimore's offense couldn't do anything. They just went three and out on every drive, just kept punting it back to the Dolphins. Couldn't eat up any clock. So Tua keeps getting the ball back. And early in the fourth quarter, he gets a touchdown to River Craft, I think is how you pronounce it. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's a tough name. Um, but that brings the score to 35-21. to 21. It's very early, a couple minutes into the fourth quarter, able to lead a drive for a touchdown. From there, on the next two offensive drives, he throws back-to-back touchdowns to Tyreek Hill of 48 and 60 yards. I mean, Tyreek Hill just burning the Baltimore defense and tying the game at 35 with five minutes left in the game. I mean, this is incredible. Baltimore is like absolutely stunned that they're finally able to do something and kick a field goal with two minutes left in the game. 
But man, you could not count Tua out because he was on fire. Led a last minute amazing drive with the help of Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. It ended with a seven yard pass of Jalen Waddle to take the lead 42 to 38 with like 14 seconds left in the game. They win the game. I mean, just an absolutely crazy, crazy, crazy matchup to watch. One that you really, really had to watch because it's, I mean, me trying to explain it right now is not doing it any justice. I mean, what a game this was. Tua ends with a nuts stat line of 36 for 50, 469 yards, six touchdowns, and the two picks that he threw in the first half. But Tyree Kill, 11 catches, 190 yards, two touchdowns. Jalen Waddle, 11 catches, 171, and two touchdowns. I mean, wow. Look at those two dudes absolutely putting up numbers for this offense. It's going to be, I think, really hard for any defenses to keep up with how much speed they have on that Dolphins offense. I mean, they're going to look to keep up this crazy momentum against a really, really strong Buffalo Bills team Sunday, kicking off at 1 o'clock. A battle of the 2-0 teams. Very high-powered offenses here. and I mean, this is going to be such a great game to watch. Added implications given that it is a divisional game as well. So, I mean, this is just going to be so, so interesting to see how these offenses just pretty much battle it out all afternoon long. I cannot wait to watch this one. So that, I think, is going to round it out for our big old football pod here on this Tuesday. Thank you so much to everybody who's been tuning in. I really, really, really appreciate it. Uh, just a reminder, again, this is the only episode that I'll be dropping this week. No episode will be coming out on Thursday. This is the big football episode for the week, and I should be back to a normal schedule next week, Monday and Thursday, dropping the pod. So once again, thank you so much to everybody that's been tuning in. I am Austin Hart, and I will see you on the next Monday pod.